beef. What is up, guys? Welcome to episode number 173 of Beef's Beef. And I have another great episode for you guys today. Uh, I'm actually going to do a combo episode. Uh, first time I've done this in a while, I'm going to be doing uh, solo at the beginning. Um, and then you guys will see an interview that I have with a uh, with a former UFL basketball player afterwards. Uh, but before, before we do any of that, I want to uh, shout out my sponsors. First one being Crystal Lackey at Stockton Mortgage. Hit Crystal up for any home loan needs, any refinancing needs, anything that has to do with the home loan or home buying process. Make sure you hit up my friend Crystal. Uh, you can get in touch with her at 502-615-0743. Again, it's Crystal Lackey at Stockton Mortgage, 502-615-0743. Stockton Mortgage is an equal housing lender, MLS number 8259. Crystal Lackey, MLS number 1735979. My next sponsor is Delium Clothing. That's B-D-E-L-L-I-O-M. Pronounced Delium. You can find them on Facebook, Delium Clothing, and at Instagram or on Instagram, not at Instagram, on Instagram at Delium Clothing. Uh, Delium is men's and women's minimalistic brand that focuses on modern aesthetic and quality. Everything comes pre-shrunk, so you don't have to worry about anything shrinking while it's in the dryer or anything like that. Um, his men's line is at Hems Gentleman Boutique in downtown New Albany, and I believe if I heard correctly that he told me that something about his women's line might be down there as well, or he might have something. Uh, going to be there in a the future or, or, or something to that, to that extent. I don't, don't quote me on that for sure. Uh, but I did want to uh, at least shout that out. Uh, also, I did hint at letting you guys know about something that uh, Crystal did for me. And uh, I realized after I recorded the episode that I never even mentioned what it was that she did for me. Um, so I will now um, let you guys know. So uh, for those of you that follow me on any type of social media, um, you guys saw that I was pretty excited for the Jack Harlow shows. Uh, one of them being on my birthday at the Paris Town Music Hall um, over in Louisville. And uh, you know, I got the pre-sale code, got all that stuff. Logged into Ticketmaster at 9 a.m. on the day of pre-sale. Uh, now I'm texting with a few of my friends, one of them being Crystal. And we're, uh, you know, we're all getting excited. We're ready to go. I log in to Ticketmaster again, 9 a.m. Pre-sales 10 a.m. Um, about 9.50 kicks me into a queue. Cool. Ready to go. I'm in the lobby, ready to go. My buddy signs in at 9.59. And before, I'm going to preface this and say, before any of this story goes forward, I'm not saying this to hate on my buddy. I'm not saying this to hate on anyone. I'm strictly saying that this is a joke that this even happened this way and I'm pissed about it. So my buddy logs in at nine 59. He literally joked with me and said that he signed in at nine 59, I was on there at 9. AM. He has over 900 people in front of me in line to get tickets for the same show. I'm at like 13 something. He's at like 300 and something or 400 and something. I can't even remember exactly. But it was 300 or 400 and something. Long story short, he gets tickets, I don't. Crystal logs in after me as well. She gets tickets, I don't. So, of course, I'm not happy. I'm pissed. I'm posting on social media. I'm tagging Ticketmaster. I'm tagging 
Jack Harlow, you know, like, man, this is a joke. Now I have to worry about trying to get tickets for, you know, GA on Friday and, and all that stuff. Uh, Chris was like, hey, I bought an extra ticket. I bought two extra tickets, maybe, potentially. I was like, really? She was like, yeah. She's like, you can have one of them. I was like, all right, cool. So we're talking or whatever, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I appreciate it. It takes a load off now. I'm going to worry about it. How much do I owe you? It's like, oh, show us on your birthday. I'm going to give it to you for your birthday. You don't owe me nothing. I was like, I was blown away. As I, It's fantastic that I, I, I hate that I'm saying I, I don't even know what to really say because I was blown away at how nice of a gesture that was for her to think, you know, well, that sucks that, you know, he didn't get the ticket that he wanted, but, you know, I'm still going to give it to him for his birthday. And yeah, I, I was, I was pretty pumped about that whenever she told me. And um, I wanted to make sure that I shout her out on here for, uh, for doing that for me. Cause it's a, it's a real G move. Um, but let's hop into the episode. There's a few things I want to talk about before uh, we get into the interview at the end of the episode. Uh, so First thing I want to go into, it's just going to be a short little thing. I just kind of want to talk about it because I thought it was pretty cool. Um, so I'm going to go back to my screen sharing thing. And I'm going to make sure I minimize my notes this time. That way you guys don't see them. Because I don't want you guys to see what's coming up later. All right. And here it is. So Tom Brady over the weekend threw his 600 touchdown. Um and their win, I can't remember who, over the Bears. There, there's a Bears fan right here, so I don't know what maybe gave that away. Uh, after said touchdown was thrown to Mike Evans, Mike Evans, being a nice guy, goes up and hands this football to a fan here. Boom. Not realizing that that is the 600 touchdown that Tom Brady has thrown in his career. And that's kind of a big milestone. Um, so, like I said, Evans gives the fan – that that game ball uh and then one of like i don't know who he is tom brady's guys uh goes up and asks the guy if he can get that back uh so the reason that's such a big milestone and i don't know why i didn't really think of this because he just passed up drew Brees uh last I guess yeah, I can't remember how long ago it was against New England. He passed him up for something, but he's ahead of Drew Brees by 31 touchdowns now. Uh, he's the first ever to 600. That's why it's such a big deal. Now, they estimate this game ball or this ball to be worth around $500,000 after Tom Brady autographs it. Uh, but they asked for the ball back. And the guy was like, Yeah, here. Well, so first off, uh, before he even got this here, Bitcoin which is worth around $63,000. You know what? Let's get a uh, current let's get a current check on that. Just to just to kind of get a current check on it. Try again. Bitcoin up to date, it is worth 50 about $59,000. All right, so this guy gets a $59,000 payout uh, for just sitting there. On top of that, he gets two signed Tom Brady jerseys, a signed helmet from Brady, a signed Mike Evans jersey, and game-worn cleats, 
as well as a thousand dollars team score team store credit and two season tickets for the rest of this season and all of next season. So then I asked the question, do you all think that that is worth what he gave up now? I saw a lot of people say, there's no way I'd have kept that, got a huge payday. And I can see where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, um, that's a huge thing for Tom Brady. Uh, and maybe it's just because I am a Tom Brady fan. And if that's the reason why I'm saying this, I, I don't know. I, it probably is. Uh, but that's something that he should enjoy and he should be able to sell if he wants to because he's the one that put in all the work for it. This guy just got lucky and Mike Evans handed him a football. Now, it's not the guy's fault. I'm not saying that. Uh, but all he did was just sit in a seat and somebody came and handed him a football. And now he's got two signed Tom Brady – or he's going to get two signed Tom Brady jerseys, two season tickets for the next two seasons, signed Mike Evans jersey, a game pair of game-worn cleats, and a Bitcoin that he can – cash out now or he can sit on for the rest of time and hope it goes up to a hundred thousand dollars i mean who knows maybe this thing in a couple of years this bitcoin you know what is it quintuples in value and it's up to you know three hundred thousand dollars i mean it's pretty daggone close to everything that you just had with that football that's autographed already so to me i feel like this guy made out great uh He's going to have a story to tell for the rest of his life. And, I mean, I know not everyone's going to agree with me because I've seen people on social media that say, you know, they didn't agree with it. But to me, I felt like the guy made out like a bandit uh, for literally just sitting in a seat and having someone come and hand him a football. They didn't even ask for it. You know what I mean? So, uh, but this past weekend uh, – Louisville did play a home game against Boston College. I was in attendance, uh, as I am for most every home football game, uh, unless there's something that, you know, keeps me away. Uh, but I was there. Boston College traveled to Louisville to play a game. Boston College came into the game at 4-2. and two. Their, uh, their losses um, – one of their losses was to NC State uh, two weeks before – or might have been the week before. Let me, you know what? I'm not prepared at all today. Boston College came into the game at four and two with losses to um, NC State and Clemson. The other, Clemson beat them 19 to 13. NC State uh, beat them 33 to seven. So Clemson or Boston College is now on a three game losing streak. Louisville came into the game a six point favorite. <clears throat> and um, it was a nice day up until. About halftime, uh, it was right right before halftime. It started raining, um, and it started out as like a sprinkle. And to be honest with you, I had no idea that it was supposed to rain on Saturday. Uh, I didn't look at the weather at all. I just headed down there and uh, you know walked in and got to my seat. But um, also, I got to tell a story here. So I sit next to this to this kid, and I feel terrible for not knowing his name. Hopefully, he starts listening to the podcast. I told him about the podcast. Um, but he told me that with our tickets, that, uh, those of you that have been to Louisville football games will know what I'm talking about. So I sit in the, in the newer expansion, uh, in the end zone, the Adidas section, uh, I sit on the front row of, of that, of that level. And, um, this kid tells me, uh, during the Virginia game, actually, and I totally forgot about it. He says, 
you know, our tickets are supposed to give us access to the tunnel for when the team comes out. And uh, not only that, but it also gives us access to the Pepsi club. I didn't really think that much of it. Well, you know, I told my buddy Steve and um, it starts to rain. So they're all like, well, I'm going to go inside. I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to chill here for a minute. Well, then it starts to pick up a little bit. And then Steve texts me and goes, hey, man, our tickets got us into the Pepsi club. I was like, well, okay. So um, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to head down there. I'll be down there in just a second. He's like, all right, cool. So I get on the elevator, go down one floor, go to the Pepsi club, bing, ticket scans right in. I was like, yo, this is insane. Um, (laughs) So I spent the entire second half uh, sitting in the Pepsi club undercover. Uh, We have our own, there's our own bar, which I don't drink at games anyway, but there's our own bar, their own concession stand, everything. And I had no idea that this was even accessible to us, but it was nice knowing that I didn't have to get rained on for an entire half. I probably would have been soaked by the end of the game because uh, I was a little bit uh, damp, but not really that bad. Um, so it was nice to know that I could go in there and, you know, be okay and, and, and all that stuff and, and not have to have to worry about getting wet because it was nice. But anyway, back to the game. So Louisville goes into halftime up 21 to seven uh, on Boston College. And starts the second half, and the I, I want I can't go forward without speaking about how how much better the defense played. Uh, Brian Brown heard the noise. Uh, he had two weeks to prepare for Boston College, um, and I feel like he he did his thing in, in the adjustments. Now, hopefully, this is something that they can take from this game and move forward and keep up the momentum that they that they got in this game. Um, they got a good number of sacks and a lot of QB pressures. Um, and to be honest with you, they were behind the chains a lot because the offense was putting them in in precarious position because of turning the ball over. The offense turned the ball over four times. This is probably the worst passing game. Um, I would actually say this is the worst passing game that Malik has had all season. Uh, you could argue the Ole Miss game, but Malik had two passing or two interceptions this week. Um, but the team, the offense turned it over four times. You had two interceptions uh, by Malik, and then you had a fumble by uh, Cooley, and you had a fumble by Hassan Hall. Uh, but then you look at the overall rushing attack. The team rushed for 331 yards. Uh, you had two rushers over 100 yards with Cooley and Malik. Uh, Malik had 133. Cooley had 112. Um, and then, you know, Total offense, your team went over 450 yards again, which is fantastic because Louisville is now, uh, I believe, within the top 20 of uh, Louisville had 400 and I'm sorry, 438 total total yards, uh, only had 107 yards passing on nine of 17 passing. Uh, but I believe Louisville is in the top 25 now or top 20 for uh, total yards per game. Uh, held a team that. I mean, it's not really a fantastic or a juggernaut, offensive juggernaut, you may say, uh, to 14 points. Uh, And really one of them was, you know, them driving down the field. Louisville gets an interception in the end zone, and then Cooley fumbles it inside the 20. Uh, So there was a lot of things to take away for the defense. Uh, We know what the offense brings now. The offense has done it uh, the entire season outside of really the first two games, uh, which – 
I think Mark Ennis said it best when he said that the EK, I think I've mentioned it on here, that the EKU game was kind of just like a game for um, Satterfield and, and the offensive side to really just like kind of run things they're not good at because they knew it was a team that was not going to beat them. Um, so um, I also feel like he didn't really take his foot off the gas this time. I know there was there was turnovers in, in certain spots, but um, I think overall this team did what it had to do to get the win. Uh, they end up getting the win at 28-14 over a solid team who, who, like I said, came in at four and two. And uh, it was a great response to reverse the momentum of the season. And after the, uh, you know, loss to Virginia, actually suffering two straight losses to Wake Forest and then Virginia, and now you go into a tough battle at NC State. NC State is uh, still is in control of its own destiny. As far as it goes, as far as winning the ACC championship goes, they come in after losing, dropping a, a game much like the Virginia game that Louisville dropped to Miami last week. Um, now, they are going to be missing one of their best uh, defensive players and their linebacker. Uh, I just know him as number one. Uh, that's what uh, Scott Satterfield called him. Um, and, you know what, let's look at let's look his name up. NC State football. Isaiah Moore. So apparently Isaiah Moore uh, was somewhat in the conversation for um, ACC Defensive Player of the Year uh, early on or, you know, early on in the um, in the season. And they're going to be without him. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what what he injured. Uh, but apparently he is hurt, and that's a big loss for them. Let's look. Let's look and see what it is. Isaiah Moore, NC State. Oh, he's out for his season. Um, wow. So apparently he got hurt in the last game against. Um, I guess it was against Miami. They lost him for the season. He says he's going to need surgery. So that's not good for them. I mean, that sucks. But then you kind of reverse and look at Louisville, who's missing arguably one of their best, if not their best defender in Monty Montgomery um, for the season. And, you know, you've lost a few other guys. And so it kind of evens the playing ground. Now, NC State, like I said, is a team that holds its own future in, uh, in their hands. Uh, as far as the ACC championship with already having a win over Clemson, uh, they have Wake Forest in the future. Um, so this is a team that is kind of Jekyll and Hyde though. You look at them, they have two losses against Mississippi state, and Miami, uh, but they did beat Clemson. They also beat that Boston college team that Louisville just beat 28 to 14, 33 to seven in Boston college. Um, Devin Leary is a solid quarterback for the, for NC State who doesn't turn the ball over much. They have two running backs that have over 430 yards rushing on the season, and they also have seven wide receivers with double-digit double receptions. Um, Louisville's going to have a tough game on their hands. They go into the game as six-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road and what's going to be a ruckus crowd. You know, you, you have a team that I, I can't say it enough that holds its own destiny, is, controls its own destiny, and – has a team at home and a team that 
as arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best quarterback in the league in Louisville coming in. So you're going to see an explosive offense. Their defense is solid, but it can be beaten. It's shown when they gave up 31 points to Miami last week, who's not really an offensive juggernaut. You lose the Eric King for the season. So you have a backup quarterback in that aspect. Uh, I don't even know who their quarterback is now at Miami. What, what their name, what his name is. Uh Tyler Van Dyke, who is a freshman and threw went 26 for 33, 325 yards and four touchdowns. Now, the NC State defense does only does give up single digit or double only double digit uh, on average rushing yards per game. They give up a good amount of passing yards per game. Now, this is a game that Malik can get his head back in, focus in and go back to the air attack that we know that he has. But the good thing about the air attack with Louisville is, is it opens up our running game. Hopefully it'll open up running lanes for uh, Travion Cooley to keep it going. I think Hassan Hall, uh, if Hassan Hall fixes his fumbling problems, which we've been saying for the past, what, three, four years, uh, he's our feature back. I mean, the guy runs so hard. It hits cuts so nicely. He just can't stop fumbling the ball. Um, if he can get past that, I, I mean, he, I, I feel like if he would have gotten past that at the beginning of the year, he could have been an all conference running back with the way he's played in the last two games before he fumbled the ball again. Um, I, I kind of wish Jalen Mitchell would, you know, start to come around. I, I don't know exactly what his season stats are as far as, uh, rushing yards. Let's check that out real quick. Uh, Rushing yards. Stats. Rushing. Jalen Mitchell has 424 yards. Um, Asan Hall is 237. Cunningham, 480. Uh, Cooley has 213. So, I mean, we have four running or four rushers with over 200 yards rushing. Uh, and that's the first time I can remember a 200 yard rushers. I guess, no, actually, I think we had one earlier this year. Uh, so, um, now Jalen Mitchell has less than 200 yards more than Asan Hall on 64 more carries. So, Asan Hall's averaging 7.4 yards a carry, Cooley 5.3, uh, Malik 5.2. So, Louisville has a fantastic uh, rushing attack. Uh, but Malik is going to have to first. He's going to have to take care of the ball. Uh, can't he, he threw one pick on a uh, deep ball to Tyler Harrell, uh, and then he threw another pass where he kind of threw it behind uh, Marshawn Ford, I believe, and it was an interception. So um, something he he can't do this week. He can't turn the ball over because uh, you have another quarterback that doesn't really turn the ball over much, uh, in Devin Leary. So um, I think Louisville can get it done. I think when you look at the uh, the games down the stretch, you have very winnable games in all five of them. Uh, it's going to make me sick to say this, but I would say right now Kentucky's probably – Kentucky's the best team that Louisville has on their schedule left. Um, I don't know. I think Louisville – if Louisville goes on the road and gets this win in NC State, which I am predicting um, – could turn the season around because then you get that win, you come back home uh, for a big matchup against Clemson. Um, you know that puts you at uh, if you get that win, that'll put you at five. That'll put you bowl eligible. 
If you beat Clemson, get two wins against uh, Syracuse and Duke, which you are sure to be favored in. Uh, then you have the big home matchup against Kentucky coming in at eight and three um, with a chance to go nine and three, which would be fantastic. Uh, I think if you now, if you take all my biases aside, you win the two games that you're supposed to win Duke and, and uh, Duke and Syracuse. And then you take at least one or two of those other three games which, if you want my opinion, which two would I rather them win, Clemson and Kentucky? NC State would be a nice win. It would be the second best one, but I want Clemson and Kentucky wins. So if you can win one or two, uh, which I would prefer all three myself, but if you can win one or two of those three games that are left over, of those 50-50 games, I still think the critics of, of Scott Satterfield are gone. Uh, as long as the defense keeps improving and, you know, keeps up the 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 attack that they had this past weekend, uh, I really think that's possible. Um, but um, I'm not going to give away who my interview is with, but I guess the title will give it away. Um, you know, I, I guess I could give a, a, a little bit of an intro for him. Um, so – my interview today will be with a former Louisville Cardinal, a uh, thousand point scorer at the University of Louisville. Um, played for Coach Denny Crum. Uh, was a later uh, version of the what they would call Camden Connection. Uh, scored fifteen hundred and thirteen points in his career. Uh, had a career average of 12 points, five rebounds, and two assists. Uh, played with a lot of great players. Uh, Dewan Wheat, some of you may know, Escalade from N1, Marcus Maben, uh, Tony Williams, uh, Alvin Sims, B.J. Flint. Uh, the, the list goes on of players that he played with. Um, played on some successful teams, a lot of teams that I really started watching. He was actually on the team. Uh, of the first basketball game that I ever got to attend in Freedom Hall against North Carolina, which we'll, which we'll talk about in the interview. Uh, but without further ado, Mr. Nate Johnson. All right, I'm here with, with Nate. How's it going, man? Hey, what's going on? How you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Again, I, I told you before we started recording, I appreciate you joining me, man, and I can't really say it enough. I appreciate you for having me. So let's hop into the questions, man. So being out of Camden, New Jersey, okay. what, what drew you to the University of Louisville? Um, definitely the Camden connection. You know, um, Mill Wagner, Billy Thompson, Kevin Walls, um, those names right there just ring a bell and say enough for themselves. Um, so when I got an opportunity to come down here to visit, it was like an awesome visit. Um, the fans were crazy. Um, it was just an amazing time. And I, you know, and from my visit, I decided I wanted to continue my um, career for the University of Louisville being from Camden. So I read also, there's a lot of schools on here. I read also you considered Michigan, Kentucky, Minnesota, Syracuse, Temple, UMass, St. John's, and Rutgers. Is there any other of those schools that you almost committed to? Um, 
a few of them. <laughs> I like, I kind of like them all, you know, but um, like, you know, like I said, um, the Camden connection, you really couldn't beat it. Cause I, I think it's something that'll go on forever. If you can think back to then, uh, you know, your, your visits and everything outside of Louisville, which school was your favorite visit and which school was your least favorite visit? Um, I, I, I didn't have a least favorite um, for the simple fact that, you know, you're going through the process, you know, everybody's telling you everything <laughs> that you want to hear. Um, my favorite, I would say, oh, gosh, Louisville for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is there one outside of Louisville that you had a good, that you had a really good time on? Um, I did. Um, if I didn't go to Louisville, I probably would have went to Rutgers um, or Villanova just to be close. But, um, you know, growing up in, you know, in Camden, I just I just thought it was like time for me to get out and start to be a young man and a man on my own. So I decided to go a little bit away from Camden, um, not too far and not too close at the same time. So when you visited Louisville, who do you remember who your host was and what you guys did on the visit? Man, who was my host? God, I think it, it might have been Eric Johnson. Nice. Yeah, I think it might have been Eric Johnson. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was Eric. Do you remember what you guys did on your visit? Absolutely no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it obviously had to be something good for it to stick out enough for you to commit. You know, it's just like, you know, we went to Indies and we just went around town and just. They tell just, me the Louisville's finest right off top, yes, right when yes, you came you in know, for the visit. You gotta go there. You know, if you don't go, if, if whoever on your crew at that time, if they didn't take you to Indies, you ain't been nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw, I, I had, I can't, reading up stuff on you, I could not mention this whenever I was reading up. So I saw you scored 81 points in the game your senior year of high school. Yes. What, what was that like, not only to score 81 points, but to do it in a 32 minute game? That's almost three it, points know, a minute. Yes. And, you know, it was kind of crazy because I didn't make no three points. It was like mostly like a lot of and ones. And I sat out four minutes of the game. And the crazy thing about it is I didn't even know. Um, the guy, someone came up to me and was like, you know how much you got? And I was like, nah, I don't know. I think it was like at 50 something at the time. And, you know, I went back up to rest in peace, Coach Turner. Um, if it wasn't for him, none of this would be possible for me. So, I'm, you know, a lot of gratitude to him and his family. Um, and I went back to him like, Coach, I got 56. You got to put me back in the game. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Coach was the type of guy, he was like, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't mind beating you by 81 points or, <laughs> or anything like that. So he was like, go ahead, get back in the game. So, and, and so I'm guessing we, you guys did beat that team pretty bad then? Yeah, we beat him by, I think it was like 70-something. Because another guy had 30, I think he had 37. So it wasn't just me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you came in to, to Louisville, and you did something that really a, Coach Crumb, especially Coach uh, Coach Patino, Coach Team, that you don't really see very often in a freshman starting. Yes. And you came in, and not only did you play in all 35 games, but you started all 35 games. Yes. Yes. And not only did you do that, but you immediately started playing well. You started succeeding. So not only did you do all that, you made second team off uh, freshman All American, and you were the Conference USA Freshman of the Year. Now, yeah. 
when you came in and played and not only did you just play, you played well, did, were you thinking in your mind, like, man, this is maybe a lot easier than what I thought it was going to be. I did because I was prepared. You know, when you're prepared and you come in every day and you work hard and you know all the plays, you know all the positions. So it, it was it was kind of easy, but um, it, it got harder. <laughs> so your, your freshman year, you guys played the University of Kentucky at home. And every person that I have on that is not from the city um, uh-huh. that came and played for Louisville, I always have to ask this question. So coming in, you said you knew the Camden Connection, so you were obviously somewhat familiar with Louisville. Did you know the magnitude of the rivalry beforehand, or was it something that you kind of went into it and you were like, man, these dudes are crazy. These people are crazy. I, I thought they were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you think they you think that they are crazy because, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, we grow up, we play against each other all the time with all the um, camps and AAU and all that. But um, I think a lot of people got it screwed up as well because a lot of us guys are really for good friends at the same time. Um, but, you know, you got that one that one week out the year and that one game out the year that it is it's all thrown out the window and you go out there. Not saying that you don't give your hardest to every game, but, yeah. you know, you give a little bit more because, you know, it's, 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 it's the rivalry. Not It's not really our rivalry, but it was it's the rival for the city. So you want to win those games. <laughs> So could you feel the pressure during the game uh, when you guys were playing? Not really. You don't feel the pressure. Um, well, it was our first year. It was a lot of pressure. Now you're talking about Derek Anderson, Ron Mercer. Um, oh, my God. I can't believe I, I'm forgetting these guys' names. But, you know, a whole bunch of guys that yeah, – Wayne know, Turner, all those guys. Yeah, Wayne Turner. Um um, you know, a lot of first round guys. So you want to do well, you know, and, you know, make your mark at the same time. Now, now your freshman year, you guys finished with a record of 26 and nine and you all end up losing to North Carolina, which was the first time, first of four end up meetings that you end up playing them in your career at Louisville because you end up playing them three times after that. Um, now, here's the question, because you just mentioned all those guys from Kentucky, but you guys lost to a fantastic UNC team with a loaded team as well in the Elite Eight. Now, I'm going to put you on a spot here. If you okay. had to say, would you say the Kentucky team, the UNC team, or maybe someone I haven't named is the most talented team you played your freshman year? Oh, wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because just for people uh, that don't know, the North Carolina team had Anton Jameson and had Vince Carter. Yes. Uh, the Kentucky team, like we just mentioned, Ron Mercer, Derek Anderson, uh, Jeff Shepard, Wayne Turner. Yes. Wow. Loaded as well. Wow. I would have to say, you know, because, you know, because you see those guys all the time in Kentucky. So I would have to say that the North Carolina team was probably more talented because, you know, they had Coda and all those guys. So you know, I, you know, be a sound we, bite, we, right? We already know what with, 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 um, Jamison and Vince Carter did in the NBA. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's going to be a sound bite, right? Nate Johnson says North Carolina team more talented than Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> who, who do you think was more talented? Man, I think you had the two best players uh, as far mm-hmm. as North Carolina. Like I would have, I mean, you have to say that those two yeah. guys had better careers than anybody mm-hmm. on that Kentucky team, despite Absolutely. how great those players were. Yes. Uh, but if you're taking overall depth of talent, I would probably have to take that UK team. 
Uh, and yes. I hate to say that as a Louisville fan, but um, I, it's as an overall depth of talent from top to yeah. bottom. Because you also had, I think, what, Zerge Zwicker was on that UNC team as well. Yeah. Yes. He's a absolutely. solid college player. Didn't really work out in the pros, but um, – Maybe I think Shimon Williams might have been on that team as well. Is another guy I forgot? I don't know, man. It's pretty close. It's a game that I would love to watch. I'd say yeah, that. Yeah, it least. was close. Yeah, it was <laughs> close. But I'll, I'll give the edge to North Carolina for sure. So after your and, 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 and a lot of people forget the Wine Wheat was hurt as well. So yeah. and we barely lost. So if the Wine Wheat's never hurt, I'm never know where we standing at this moment. Absolutely. I'm actually about to mention him. That's actually my, to be honest with you, that's my, that's my favorite player of all time in Louisville history. That guy was pound for pound. I'm not sure there's been a tougher guy. Maybe Emmer Russ is like a tougher guy that has played for the University of Louisville with their size. My favorite player as well from the University of Louisville. I nice. might be a little, a little bit biased because I played with him and you're able to see, you know, cause you know, at that time, you know, small guards and all that was big. Um, they didn't want them and all that. But now, just imagine if we played in this time. You'd be a first-round draft pick. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No question about it. So, after your freshman year, you guys lost a lot. You guys lost Dewan, as we were just speaking about. You lost Alvin Sims, B.J. Flynn, Bozak Smith. Uh, with them all leaving, what did Coach Crum come to you and say? Because you would have to be – you know, probably the biggest key contributor is coming back. What did he tell you? All right, Nate, this is what I need you to work on going into your sophomore season so that – because, I mean, we're going to have to replace a lot of, you know, not only scoring but also leadership. The heart of the team. We lost a lot of, lot of the heart of the team, especially when we talk about Flynn and all those guys for everything, how, how they went out there and played and every, they left everything on the court. So coming in, I mean, but we, at the same time, we had a lot coming in. We had a lot of players that we had a lot of experience coming back our second year. Um, Tony Wims, me, we had Marcus that came in, you know, um, that was a key contributor right from the gate as well. We had Alex. So we thought we was in pretty good hands at, at, at that point. Um, but yeah, but you know, you always want to improve your game and, and, uh, and work hard and we, and we worked hard. And then I think we was like that year, we was like one of the worst teams in Louisville history. Our sophomore year. Yeah. You guys did go 12 and 20, uh, but you guys did come back and beat the eventual national champions in Kentucky. Um, right. Yes, we did. And I, I want so we just talked about the the, the rivalry with Kentucky, but I, I don't want to leave that because you did speak on some guys that came in. The guys that came in, but you, I mean, returning, you had Dantzler, you had yourself, you had Tony, yes. you had uh, Alex Sanders. Then you had, like you said, Marcus Mabin, uh, Hodge Turner coming in. You also had Cameron Murray and um, Cameron Murray was is, is to me one of the more under underrated guys that played it at Louisville. Uh, I'm not saying he was a superstar or anything, but I felt like for what he needed to do, he got the job done. Cameron Murray got the job done for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that that point guard, that leader on the team after losing a guy like DeWan Wheat. And, you know, he stepped right in, not saying he's DeWan Wheat or anything, yeah. but he he kind of stepped in and, 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 and solidified that void that we had. So it, it, it was like amazing. Um, Probably shocking to all of us, even the fans, that we had that terrible of a season. I don't know, a hangover or whatever, but um, 
yeah, it was it was tough. But like I said, you did go into Rep Arena and you beat UK, who eventually yeah. won the national title in '98. Explain that feeling, like going in there, and then at the end of the year, you're like, man, it. it, it I feel like it kind of could have gone one or two ways. You're like, well, you know, we beat those dudes. So this is our rival in the SUK. But then it's like we beat those guys. How the heck do we end up 12 and 20 on the season when we beat the team that won it all? Yeah, it, it, it was tough. It was really, really tough, especially, you know, coming back. They were loaded, still loaded as well. Um, but, you know, you just go out there and you just pretty much just hang it all on the line, you know, what they call it, corrupt, corrupt, rub. corrupt arena. Right? <laughs> we already knew we had that against us in the old way. So i never forget, we just said, we're just going to go out there and just, and just give it our all, and, and it worked out for the best. So not only did you guys play and beat Kentucky and Rupp Arena, but you guys played against 10 ranked teams your sophomore season. I got two. It's a two-part question. First, do you, did you like playing a tough schedule? Because I know that Coach Crum was always known for scheduling tough because he wanted his team to be ready in March. And second, do you feel like that helped you all going into the next season because you guys improved vastly going into the next season? I loved playing a tough schedule. I mean, it, I mean, because we got to go in some arenas that you never thought you'd be able to go into and, and play. So that was amazing. And yeah, you always want to play the tough team to, to prepare. You know, how do you want to know what you have if you don't play the tough team, if you always playing the cupcake team? So, and, and you know, coming into our, our junior year, um, we knew it was going to be the same way. So, um, yes, it, it, it helped us definitely. So I want to take a, or talk about something here that I'm sure some people know now, but you played with a guy that a lot of people probably know by a different name in Troy Jackson. Uh, oh, man. Escalade. Did, yes. did you keep up with him after when he got into the N1 mixtape tour? Like, I, I know I went and saw him oh, both times he came here. He, Yes, absolutely. Me and, me and Troy, we stayed next to each other. So me and Troy spent a lot, a lot of time together. One of my really, really good friends that I met coming here to the University of Louisville. And, um, you know, just so sad, man. Well, explain what that was like to, you know, watch one of your best friends. Because to be honest with you, like I, I told you my, my age frame, that was huge for my age group at that time. Like that was everyone watched and one mixtape tour. It was, you went to school that, you know, that next week and you were like, yo, did you watch the new episode of the and one tour? Like what, explain what that was like to see one of your best friends to be one of the biggest basketball players on the planet, figuratively and literally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Figuratively and literally. Absolutely. Um, It was fun for us, you know, because, because they came back to Louisville and put the tour on here as well. So, um, yeah, it's amazing for us, you know, to get the um, – after he leaves and he comes back and get to hang out with him and, um, you know, just so full of life and all the jokes in the world. I mean, like, it's just – it was amazing for us. Absolutely. All right, I got a quick side question for you. So, you say all the jokes in the world. Who's the funniest guy you ever played with at Louisville? For sure. Uh, him – Troy Escalade and probably Alex Sanders as well. Nice. I always hear uh, Marcus Mabin always talks about how funny that Alex Sanders was as well. He always talks about it on on his uh, radio show and on his YouTube channel a lot. Yes. I mean, you know, 
you have to laugh too. You know what I mean? It ain't all about <laughs> business all the time, especially, yeah. you know, like we said, our, our sophomore year, we lose and like that. No one expected that. And, you know, and then, you know, just all the jokes and the funny stuff, uh, you kind of take your mind off of it a little bit and try to kind of refocus a little bit. Um, absolutely an amazing time. <laughs> so you going into your junior year, or actually your junior season, you led a, a, a team in scoring. But it was a, a pretty balanced attack. You guys had five players averaging 11 points or more. Is that is that a good feeling knowing that really at any time on any night any given night that one of you guys could be the could be you know the quote unquote guy for a game? Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, we had a balanced attack. Three or four guys maybe averaging 12, 13, 14 around that area. Um, knowing that we have scoring, we knew that. So we knew if we come out and do the right things, anybody can have a big one and a big game and the possibility he was going to win the game. So, yeah. So you guys actually went on the road and, and took a tough loss in the Dean Dome against North Carolina. So piggybacking off of what you said earlier, because I actually was like, I hope he doesn't give it away before I get to ask the question. But you talked about going, being able to play some of these big name teams and going places that you never would have thought what was the what was your favorite road arena that you played in while at Louisville? And what was your least favorite road arena that you played My in? My favorite, I would probably say North Carolina, because I think they had just they had just got that gym. So it, and that was an amazing gym. And I was um in Syracuse playing in a dome. I'm, I'm I think, you know, that's so the carrier dome was fun to play well. in. Yeah, my least favorite for sure, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So the Carrier Dome was actually fun. Southern Miss as well. Southern Miss had a pretty bad gym. Yes, I, I just, I just picture the Carrier Dome because I like I'm not a fantastic basketball player, but when I do play, I like to shoot the ball. I just feel like the Carrier Dome has so many just like blind spots for shooting that would be terrible to shoot in. So you actually liked playing in the Carrier Dome. I like playing in the Carrier Dome. I played in the Carrier. I, I think we played in a tournament there. I think that – did we lose to North Carolina in the Carrier Dome? I believe so. Yeah, I believe it's for and, you. And then the next year we played – then we went up there and played them. And actually we played pretty well but lost the game. So um, I got two experiences there, and I liked it both times. So – like I was telling you before we started recording, your your era is the era that I that really grew me up on Louisville basketball. Uh, I really started watching. Uh, if you can think back when Samaki, you know, kind of came out and got the triple double against Kentucky, and they beat them. That's really when I started. It started ramping up for me as far as being a Louisville basketball fan. So really getting into it, your era is it for me. Like that's yes. that's it. So thinking back to this, man, I remember you all lost to Creighton in the NCAA tournament. And I just remember being devastated as a kid. Uh, what do you feel like happened in that game that led them to beating you all? I, I think we were up by like 15 in that game. And I think we just celebrated too early. I definitely believe that. And they, you know, and they just, I guess they probably could sense it like, you know, they think we're just going to lay down and let them beat us by 25, you know, 2025. And, um, you know, a shot here and a shot there and a miss here and a miss there right back in the game. Who, who's I think Kyle Corver. No, I think it was uh, Rodney Buford or something played for Rodney them, Buford. Yeah, that's what it was. Rodney Buford. And they had a shooter. 
as well. And, you know, and they just started making shots and we just started missing. And, you know, once you start hanging your head, that's when that's when L's happen. And teams start smelling blood and then it's over with. Yes, absolutely. So um, I want to ask you a question here. So I mentioned earlier, you know, what or I asked you, what, what did Coach Crum kind of tell you you needed to work on going into your sophomore year? Which year do you feel like your game jumped the most? Like in between what season? Like freshman or sophomore? Just, I think you you know I I think I've, I've never said this on an interview before, so this would be the first time I said I think that you know I think my, as far as my game goes, I think I underachieved. Um, when I say underachieved, I didn't I didn't didn't do what I was supposed to do. I've always worked on my game. But I didn't, you know, from the background that I came from into where my freshman year was, and I think I, I peaked right there and then just stayed right there. Maybe a lot of being unselfish, um, want to be a leader of the team, um, wanted to, you know, pass the ball when I should have shot it. Um, yeah, so um, a lot of guys, they say, oh, but you scored 1,500 points. But I'm like, I left 500 points on <laughs> on the table. Wow. So um, I would say that it, 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 I, I'm, I've, I've always had it, but I didn't. it didn't come out the way I wanted it to come out. Is that something that bugs you to this day? To this day. Now, now – would you would you attribute it mostly to just being like you said more unselfish or I mean do you think that maybe you just kind of rested on your laurels after that freshman year and you didn't work as hard as you maybe you could have in some seasons or is it just no, mostly I, I, I worked I worked I think it was more unselfishness you know what I mean like I think at the time in the NBA at that time you didn't have to go out and score show that you I, I always thought like overall. Yeah. You know, and maybe, you know, just stupid, I'll say, <laughs> instead of so, just coming in, staying true to myself, because after that, I got back true to myself and the results was amazing. So your senior year, you all played, um, in my opinion, my favorite game that I've ever been to as far as basketball goes. Um, you guys played the very first game I ever got to go to in, in Freedom Hall against North Carolina for the fourth time in your career. Mm -hmm. um, and not only did you all play, but you all beat the absolute breaks off of them. And that's guys like Brendan Haywood, uh, Jason Capel, uh, you know, Matt Ed Forte. Uh, yeah, Joseph Forte. Yeah, Joseph Forte. Yeah, Joseph uh, Forte. Ed Coda, you know, Chris Pepper, Lang. Julius Peppers. Yeah, this loaded team. And you all beat them 97 to 80. And to be honest with you, that's one of the loudest games I've ever been to Bar none. Like I went to the last game at Freedom Hall. That game is probably a little bit louder than the North Carolina game, but it's up there as far as games I've ever been to. Explain the feeling of finally getting over the hump and beating North Carolina after losing to them, you know, three times in the past. Um, amazing feeling. Um, you know, coming out, jumping right on them from the gate, pressuring them and just having fun. Yeah. You know, when we had fun and played loose, 
I don't think it was a team in America that can beat us. But when we came in there tight and not knowing what, how we were going to play, how were we going to respond, is it was different, you know. Yeah. So we came in loose, just you know, just ready to play. Uh, and you know, I think it was during around Christmas time as well. So it was like we wanted to give our fans something special, you know. What I mean, to go on that break and um, you know, just one of those games, everything was falling for everybody and 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 just having fun. It was actually two days before Christmas. I could tell you the right, date, right. everything, man. December twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. You know, that's the one game everybody always brings up to me is that North Carolina game, you know. And it's just, you know, I never forget, you know, after the game, jumping up on the table, pumping my fist, you know, um, just being a kid, having fun. Yeah. So after um, – at the end of the season, you guys made it to the tournament again. Uh, your all's record was, I think, one loss uh, worse than the year before. Y'all went 19 and 12. But you all met a Gonzaga team that's not Gonzaga that we know now. Uh, you guys met they Gonzaga. Were. Well, they, they were. They weren't, they weren't known <laughs> as being the Gonzaga that they are now. Let's, right. say, let's put it that way. So you guys met them in a 7-10 matchup, and they upset you guys. Mm-hmm. Two parts. So first, what was going through your head when, you know, you were taking that Louisville jersey off for the last time? And second, did you expect Gonzaga after that game to kind of take off and become, you know, what we know as a virtual powerhouse that they are now? Um, taking off that jersey, oh, my God, it's like the worst. I think we all just sat in there and just cried like babies, man, you know, because it's the last time. You, you'll you never have it again. Yeah. Um, And as far as Gonzaga, yeah, we kind of figured that, they was they would be next because I mean it was precise it was you know it was boom 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 it was you know when it was left open it was hitting shots and knocking it down we was like whoa they might be a problem man yeah and now we see Gonzaga they're a problem yeah <laughs> <laughs> so after I, grad- I, I hate to say this I hate to say this. But we might have started it for Gonzaga. I didn't. I wanted you to be the one to say that because I didn't want to say that. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like Louisville was the one that started the Gonzaga that we know today. Yes, that like they felt like they could compete now. Yeah, you know, what I mean, they, they like we can compete with everybody. We got just as much talent. You know, we got shooting. We got, you know, you know, um, everything. So yeah. So after graduating, you played professionally in nine different countries. Yes. Now, you played in some countries, you doubled up, but inclu- included in those is obviously the U.S., Turkey, the Philippines, France, Italy, Korea, Jordan, Lebanon, and Saudi Arabia. Did I, did I miss any? Um, Qatar. I played in Qatar. Um, I played um, – where else? Yeah, that's probably that's, – that's close. All right, so excluding the U.S. because obviously this is going to be your favorite country that you played in. What was your favorite? What was your favorite country you played in? What was your least favorite country you played in? My my least favorite country was, I would say Turkey, and I would say Turkey because it was my first year out, and um, felt like they was you know a little racist or whatever, but that's that's no here nor there. So um, my favorite country, I would say. Uh, when I say this, a lot of people be like, "What? Are you crazy?" I would say, Beirut, Lebanon. Really? I, 
what what made what made that the like your favorite? It was just a beautiful country. Was it just beautiful like the, country, the culture? It was, just, it was it was just different. It was just it was just different, totally different. And now the part that I really want to know: which one had the best? And which one had the worst food? Which country? The food. I liked it all. I try. I was, I'm that type of guy, you know. I try everything, so I would say all of them. I would say the, the best food. I, I would. I really, really like that Arabic food. Okay. Um, and um, least favorite, I would say. I won't. I won't say least. I won't have no least because, you know, most of the time we cook or you go out to eat, and most of them have American restaurants, so it was pretty easy transition. So, so you retired after the 2012-2013 season. Uh, what led you to, to make that decision after, you know, what, thir- I guess 13 years playing professional basketball? I, I retired 12-13 and was home for a little bit and then decided to go back and play again. So my retirement didn't last long, but I did only play one more season. Um, I'll say the reason why I retired because I – I played 14 years. A lot of people don't know that. That's why I'm glad I'm on this radio show. So a lot of people are going to hear this. I played 14 years and won 13 championships. Wow. <laughs> so I won, you know, the um, Arabic championship, the Asian championship, all my league championships, um, some of the biggest championships overseas. I won Italian Cup. I won... Oh my God! So many. <laughs> it's amazing. I did see you won the MVP of a of the Italian league too, right in two thousand and three. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Absolutely. So while you were playing professionally, did you kind of keep up with the with U of L basketball at all, or was it kind of hard to do? Absolutely. That's you know that's my school. I went to. I come from. You know, I consider myself a a, a, a Louis Billion. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I spent more time here in Louisville than I have in in Jersey. So this is like home for me. So I'm rooting and cheering, baby. So do you get the, do you go back home to Camden very often? I do. I do. Now I want to ask you a question. And if you don't feel comfortable talking about this, that's fine. Uh, I feel like, during in between your era and the era now with coach Mack, that there was kind of a disconnect. Do you feel like that there was something that maybe you guys were pushed away or is it something that maybe was just like a misunderstanding or something? And do you, how do you, how do you feel now that coach Mack and this coaching staff has kind of welcomed back the, you know, the quote unquote crumb era players that, and and welcome back really to heart of the university level basketball players. Right. Um, I kind of feel like we were pushed out. I imagine everybody feels like that. But um, Mac, he's been great. Um, he welcomed us with open arms, you know. But it's good for the city, though, to bring us back, you know, to have us around, you know. So when we see the guys out, we're able to communicate with the guys, talk to the guys, and they're not looking at us like, who is this? You know what I mean? Yeah. So so that, that's been an um, – uh, um, amazing for us guys, absolutely. Was it tougher to kind of get to get back and, and keep up with the university because it felt like you guys were like outside outsiders treated not, as outsiders? Not really, because we watching, we watching, we seeing everything going on, we hearing everything. So nah, it was like you know, was nothing in us, and then well, I mean it was something to us, but yeah. <laughs> but you know to be accepted. 
a great feeling. Especially, you know, as much as we did around the city and for the city of Louisville, you know, makes us feel good and proud. Absolutely. So outside of Dewan Wheat, who was your favorite player since you – I put it this way. Since you graduated, who's been your favorite Louisville player? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love them all. Hey, but that Russ Smith, he was a bad boy. <laughs> yes, he, yes, he was. Yes, he was. So – have you uh, have you gotten any practices this preseason or anything? Um, we went to just that one scrimmage. Um, since the COVID, man, I just I haven't had COVID, so I just try to just stay away, man, and stay. Um, but um, you know, since things is lightening up, before pre-COVID, you know, we was always at practice and going to the games and all that. So definitely, definitely looking forward to going back, you know, and cheering and rooting these guys on. What's your what's your thoughts um, and what's your I guess what's your prediction I guess for this team after watching them in that red white game? Undefeated national <laughs> champ. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously there's some things they got to work on, like every team. Uh, but you know, it's inner squad scrimmage. Mm, you really, really can't tell who's going to stand out, who's not. So. We just wait for Friday, baby, and just ready. You gonna be there on Friday? Started. You gonna be there on Friday? Um, probably not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I'll, I'll, for I'll some be there reason, Friday. I just enjoy watching a lot of the games on TV. Yeah, that, that makes. I mean, I I know a lot of people like that. Um, so what are you up to now? Like, what what does Nate Johnson do on a on a daily basis? I feel like I see you posting stuff of training and everything. Is that something that you're yeah, into? Just, just a lot of training, um, just trying to just show the kids the right way to play the basketball game. You know, um, there's so many trainers here in Louisville now, so you got to pick and choose. Um, but, yeah, just training the kids, just trying to show them the right way, the fundamentals of the game, the way I was taught. Um, I think once you have the fundamentals of the game, you're able to take your game. I'm not trying to change your game, just the fundamentals. And once you get the fundamentals of the game, uh, the sky's the limit. Um, and that's just pretty much it. I got a couple of kids in Jersey right now that's in prep school in Jersey. So just, just trying to give kids other options as well and not just, you know, be stagnant with it. And that's it. Just try to give back to the community as much as possible. So how can people get in contact with you to, to maybe start training with you? Um, man, what is my, where do I go by? Alternate. Alternate. A L T E R N A T E E three at Gmail. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter under the same handle. Um, and I have a 16 year old son as well. So, <laughs> and he's, you know, he's in Louisville. So he's coming up on a big season for himself. He missed all of last year with a, uh, he broke his growth plate. So just oh, giving man. him a shout out. What school is he at? Um, just wishing the best for him and time to rock and roll. What school is he at? He's at Eastern. Eastern, okay. So I'll be I'll be looking out for what, what's your son's name if you don't care to say. His name is Jaden Johnson. Jaden Johnson. I'll be looking out for Jaden Johnson at, at Eastern. Then make sure I'll be reading the the box scores and seeing how many how many points he's putting up. But hey, he told me he's gonna average twenty this year. So oh. <laughs> Well, we'll have to get together and go to one of we'll the sky's the limit. We'll have to get together and go to one of his games, man. I love high school basketball, especially okay, in the city. Yeah, most definitely. For sure. So 
We're up to the last part here. It's the rapid fire questions. But before that, I got to shout out my sponsor for the rapid fire questions. These are the Mike and Cheese rapid fire questions. It's the best mac and cheese in town. They do free delivery to Louisville and Southern Indiana. It's a $15 minimum. Every tray starts at $10. You can call them at 502-548-6845. Make sure you try the beef, beef pizza mac and tell them that I sent you. What's the name of the place again? It's called Mike and Cheese. Mike and Cheese. I'll, I'll tell you what. The macaroni, uh, the, the macaroni and cheese sandwich? No, it's, man, they got different types of uh, mac and cheese. They do a, a smoked Gouda mac. He does one that's called his Mama's Mac. He does stuff that you can mix into it. And, um, I mean, he's like my he's like my younger brother. So okay. I wanted him to sponsor. And I also wanted something of my own. So I hit him up. I guess it's been about a year and a half ago. And I was like, hey, man, I got a great idea for a mac and cheese and it'll be a good way for you to sponsor me. And it'll be a good way to get my name out with you. So I gave him the idea for a pizza Mac. So it's got pepperoni sausage, uh, mozzarella and American cheese in it. I, I like, I can't even explain how good this stuff is though. I'm about to try it out. Check it out. All right. So you ready for these rapid fire questions? Yes, sir. All right. Favorite pregame meal as a player. Oh, wow. I would have to say steak <laughs> for sure. Right. Pizza or tacos? Wow, give me tacos. Wings or burgers? Give me wings. All right, now here's the real question. Drums or flats? Wow. I'm a chicken <laughs> I guy. Mean, so we all, we all know that either. One, yeah, yeah. Give me flats. <laughs> all right. Now this is the one that's going to decide whether we're real friends or not, Nate. All right. French fries or tater tots? Give me fries. Thank you. Thank you, man. There's some, <laughs> you'd be surprised there's some people that say tater tots are better than French fries. I mean, I like tater tots, but give me fries. All right. Favorite movie of all time? Wow. Favorite movie of far as gone. <laughs> hey, that's a solid one. That's a solid choice. Favorite musical artist all time and currently? Jay-Z. Hands down. All right. Favorite album of all time? The Black Album, Jay-Z. All right, here's a good one. What's your biggest fear? My biggest fear. Wow. Drowning or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's hey, funny, I, like... No, I, 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 my biggest fear. Let me see. Tag, what's my biggest fear, man? I'm kind of like a tough guy, though. <laughs> 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 I fear right. God. How about that? That's... That's a good one. Most people give the cliche answers like failure and all that stuff, which is fine. Right. I mean, it's fine that you fear failure, but like, I mean, I, I kind of respected the drowning one at first because it's like, hey, at least you gave a real answer. Right. <laughs> all right. What's your favorite restaurant in the city of Louisville? Uh, Roof Chris. Okay. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, sheesh. Cookie and cream, butter pecan, strawberry. <laughs> just yeah, you could just answer the question with oh, yes, mint, all of mint chocolate, <laughs> all that. Favorite basketball and football player ever. Favorite basketball player. Wow, Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, and Shaq, and Tim Duncan. Right, who's your favorite football player of all time? Um, favorite football player. Um. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. Nice. Favorite athlete ever? Favorite athlete. Wow. Um, 
the swimmer. What's his name? Michael Phelps. All right. So this is this is a question that I, I always love to hear or answers to. So who's the best player you ever faced in high school, college, and professional at each level? High school, Tim Duncan, for sure. College, Vince Carter, for sure. Because you don't want to get dunked on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Professionally, I'm going to say Pete Michael from Cincinnati. Okay, I remember that name. I'll say that because he ain't the same Pete Michael from <laughs> from Cincinnati. All right, well, Nate, that's that's it, man. That's all. That's all the questions I got for you. But again, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you to, to get training with you, man. And um, alternate a l t e r n a t e e three at gmail. Um, same handle on um, Twitter, same on Instagram and Facebook. Well, Nate, man, I appreciate you, you joining me today and, and tonight and taking it, some bro. time out and, and, and doing this. Um, like I said, man, grew up one, you were one of my favorite players growing up watching watching local basketball. That. But um, I'll tag you in this and, you know, give it a share and, and let me know what you think of the final product, man. I appreciate it again. I appreciate it. We're going to get to one of them. We're going to get to a couple of them high school games, too. Absolutely. Check out my son. Absolutely, so I'll man. I'll be, I'll be there. Up and letting you know. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it.